there's a lot of hardware that Microsoft is and isn't building. Happy Saturday, friends. It is a, a Saturday. I don't want to say a rare recording of a Saturday because it does happen on Saturdays. I was traveling this week and couldn't get things done, typically either late Thursday night or Friday morning. So here we are on a Saturday kicking off kicking off 2024, which is going to be hard to save right up until 2024 ends and then we roll over the year. But either way, it has been a good week. Microsoft made some made some choices. They made some choices this week, and we'll talk about some of that going on here, some of the hardware, some of the CES stuff. And so let's just dive into the news because uh, Microsoft's bringing Copilot to, <laughs> to iOS. They're bringing a new app to iPhone and iPad. It just, nobody should be shocked. Nobody should be surprised. Don't don't rush out to download it. I think you'll be okay. The bigger news actually comes from the Surface Pro 10 and Surface Laptop 6. Now, Microsoft has been working on these things for a while. These are not, uh, they, it was actually, I'd say a little surprising that they didn't announce these things uh, in the fall of 2023, which is typically when we would hear Microsoft talk about new Surface laptops, new Surface uh, Pros. That's, that's historically what they've been doing. But if you're not aware, 2024 is all about the year of AI. As Microsoft coined that phrase in a blog post let's see if it comes back to bite him in the butt in any single way but uh you know that's where we are that's where we are with microsoft and that's what they are doing and so according to zach Bowden, and i believe this information to be correct based on my own information here is that microsoft is working on a surface pro 10 and a surface laptop 6 for the spring announcement microsoft has sometimes it was branded like an education event it was always in new york and they would announce, I believe that's where the first Surface laptop was announced, was in New York in a spring event. So the laptop being revved, if you will, uh, in the spring isn't all that unusual, but it's the addition of the Pro that makes it slightly unusual. However, the most interesting thing that is going to come out of this is actually Microsoft continued support for ARM. I think Microsoft is starting to feel a little bit better and a little bit more confident that like, hey... This decade-long bet that we've made on ARM is maybe kind of sort of starting to make way. Like, um, yes, the Service Pro X has been around and other things have, have come and gone. But at the end of the day, like, it's still not a mainstream product. However, I think we're getting closer. I think we're going to see over the next roughly two years, I think we're going to see, based on what I'm kind of hearing, uh, bigger jumps on the, on the ARM side. Specifically, it looks like Qualcomm is finally putting together some stuff. Also... Take with a massive grain of salt, my friends, a massive grain of salt. Anytime that, that Qualcomm says this is comparable to an M3 chip, it's probably on some very specific benchmarking. Also, keep in mind that when Qualcomm is doing this stuff, it's all marketing until there's real world benchmarks and real world performance. Just got to take all of it with a grain of salt. That being said, that being said, it looks like Windows on ARM is really starting to kind of find its footing. The past couple uh, of generations or, or updates, I should say, has really sort of improved things. Um, to the fact, actually, this past weekend, I was using Windows on ARM. I know this is some people are going to cringe at this. However, Windows on ARM via Parallels on a Mac and Windows was pretty darn snappy. It, I mean, like really snappy. And people might just say, well, that's a super high-end M3. But yeah, guys, it's running through effectively two virtualization layers to be able to run on that. And it's doing it super well, which means that the OS at the end of the day, people might say, well, the M3 is just so great. Well, maybe. But also that Windows on ARM is really starting to finally click. And so I've run this scenario before with Windows on ARM via Parallels, and it's not been great. However, we're starting to see that that movement. So 
with the the new Qualcomm chip and candidly I think I'm more excited about what's happening in 2025 at least what we believe is happening in 2025 is that Nvidia will be having chips come out uh, I think that that is going to be the super interesting one Qualcomm is fine and I'm sure there's Qualcomm fans listening to this but I like you look at what Nvidia is doing in the AI space you look at what Nvidia does in the GPU space and I think we could all kind of agree that like hey if there's somebody who's killing it with ARM that isn't Apple it's Nvidia so an Nvidia based laptop based on ARM kind of exciting and now also seeing that Windows on ARM is kind of getting really getting there the future is looking good. And so anyways, how does this all come back to the Surface event? We're going to see a Surface Pro 10 and a Surface Laptop 6 running an ARM chip from Qualcomm at the end of the day. But it's it's looking, uh, it's heading in a good direction. And so there might be a real good convergence of AI stuff, which Qualcomm, uh, you know, has their, their chops in there. I'm not going to discount that. Uh, they do it pretty well. And so, yeah, there might be a real nice convergence here of AI and ARM for Microsoft. And so look for that to kind of get started here in the spring with Microsoft starting to slowly expand where they put ARM chips. We're also going to, if you go back and read any of the blog posts today or this week about Copilot and everything else, which we'll talk about here in a second, they start, it becomes painfully obvious that there's a really big update coming with AI functionality. Like that is, we, we've been kind of hearing that for a while. So blah, 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 blah. I'm just rambling on at this point. And yeah, so moving on here, accessories, which is something we don't talk about too much here, but hey, Microsoft uh, last year said like, we're kind of getting out of the accessory space. Like it just, it's not, it's not enough money for us or whatever. Well, they're not dead. And I think that's a good thing. There are a lot of fans of what Microsoft does on the peripheral side and Microsoft peripherals have been around for a long time. So they... They announced that they're getting rid of this stuff, and then clearly Incase, which is a, a manufacturer of this kind of stuff, reached out and said, hey, Microsoft, we'll take on that portfolio of stuff. And so here we go. The one thing I, I find hilarious about this image, look at that little mouse down there. That is, like, clearly a Photoshop. That is not, it's not the best one either. It's not the best Photoshop either. But, uh, yeah, so the Microsoft peripherals, they are not going away. But when it comes to peripherals, your peripheral is about to get a new button. Now, Microsoft, in their announcement here, said the introduction of the Copilot key marks the first significant change to the Windows PC keyboard in nearly three decades. Oh my my, how we quickly forget our own history. Microsoft just totally washing over the fact that, uh, what about the Office key, which was, I think, 2014 to like 2021 or something like that. Like, not like ancient history, my friends. Either way, Microsoft has done other things on the keyboard, but they're, whatever. It's going to be the right, uh, I think, context key next to the Alt button, as you can see here in this video. It's just going to be a dedicated Copilot button, which... Hey, uh, this will either pan out for Microsoft and like, hey, that's a great thing. One thing we can take away from this is that Microsoft has finally done rebranding things. Like Copilot's clearly not going to get rebranded if there's a physical key they cannot update the logo of. And so, yeah, uh, Copilot keys are coming to devices near you, starting on laptops, and then they'll, they'll make their way out to everything else. There's two ways to interpret this. One, it's like, eh, whatever. Two, Microsoft obviously is really getting into this stuff. Or the way I look at it is like, ooh, another button I can use uh, to remap because Copilot, like Copilot's fine. Like it's just, I don't know, it's okay. Um, I prefer still the vanilla chat GPT. Like, sorry, Microsoft, I don't like your flavor of it. And somebody will say, but Brad, it's like the same thing, but it's really kind of not. And at the end of the day, it's, I prefer to go use, uh, actually pay for chat GPT, the $20 a month or whatever it is, because I find that just to be more valuable. 
Anyways, Microsoft's got its thing, and there's a lot of there's a lot of AI value in the Office suite. On the, uh, please do not overlap that with the basic Windows and just chat functionality, because in the Office suite, it makes a lot of sense. I, I'm very much uh, in favor of something like that. Steam has announced that they are dropping support for Windows and Windows 7 and Windows 8. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, Windows 11 24H1 is going to be coming in April of 2024, according to Dell, and it's going to include, and this is the only reason I call this out, Wi-Fi 7 support, which is a new thing, uh, newer thing, but I think that's a pretty significant announcement. Wi-Fi 7 is the next generation of Wi-Fi. Uh, I actually just deployed Wi-Fi 6E in my house two weeks ago, 10 days ago, something like that. And so I went from Wi-Fi 5 to Wi-Fi 6E, and it's fast. Like, it, it's, I'm now getting, uh, I guess the TLDR is this. I had a Ubiquiti Amplify HD system, and one of the one of the nodes just died. It died, like, right around Christmas time, and so, like, we were limping, we were limping along in the Sam's household with, like, in the general living quarters of only, like, 15 megs down. Now, when the whole system was up and running, it was closer to, like, 60 down or something like that. However, I put got some Aero, uh, Aero Pro 6Es. I got three nodes now, and majority of the house, we're getting like 350 down, uh, as, as high as like 500 um, when you're closer to, to the endpoints. My actual internet connection down is like a gig down and like 250 or 500 up. I can't remember, but it's... Guys, you don't need a gig over wireless. I think Wi-Fi 7 can support that. I'm going to say you don't need that at this moment. I think a 4K stream only requires like 25. So... Yeah, something uh, just to kind of keep in mind. Either way, I've been pretty happy with these arrows things. Uh, I actually, not to get too much off a tangent, I was looking at multiple systems. And so people are going to ask, how did I go with arrow? Or maybe you're not going to ask it. I don't know, but I'm going to tell you anyways. So I looked at the arrow Pro 6Es. I looked at um, the Google Nest uh, latest ones and Google Nest Pro. Uh, I also looked at, there's a TP-Link, a Deco, I think is one. And Netgear, Orbi, and so the, the Google was the cheapest, and that's kind of the way I was leaning, but there were some interesting reviews on that stuff. The thing that turned me off the most about the Arrow is that, anybody listening to this, you need to be aware that there is like this pro subscription. Put that in the back of your mind as I kind of work through the rest of this. Uh, and then there's also the TP-Link, I think it's TP-Link, I should look this up, whatever. It's the Deco system, uh, D-E-C-O. They This was actually probably my top choice up until I found the one fatal flaw with the system. It's very well priced, it looks like a very robust system, and I know people listening have this system, and it is a good system. It is. It was my top choice, except that it doesn't support thread and matter, and not yet. And it doesn't look like the current 6E like units that they're selling are going to get that support. If that doesn't matter to you, that's probably where I would have landed. But me, I'm a masochist and use IoT stuff in my house. And I was like, uh, Thread and Matter are going to be the future. In theory, right now, I could do a long rant about how Thread and Matter have made things a lot worse uh, in the short term. Either way, so I ended up going with the Arrow, but I didn't go through like and just buy it. Actually, I, I'm going to say something most people have never said. I really like my ISP. We have in Cincinnati, we have actually, it's crazy to think. I know how this works. We have two land like hardline cable opt or internet options. So we have uh, Spectrum and then we also have Alta Fiber. And these are competing companies who both have lines that come to my house, which means I get really low pricing in a really awesome experience from my local ISP. Now, Alta Fiber used to be a since a bell a ma bell for those of us who knees creak when we stand up uh spin out and they've been cincinnati bell they actually got bought out which makes me a bit nervous but as of right now i went they had this offer um and they said hey look we will give you whole home coverage wi-fi for 
is like $5 a month plus like $2 per endpoint. And I'm like, well, okay, what system is it? Turns out they're giving out like they're the ISP router or Wi-Fi system that they give out are Aero Pro 6Es. And so I'm effectively renting them for, it's like seven or $9 total. And then I mean total per month. The If you wanna go buy three of them, it's like 430 bucks. And so I was like, well, why wouldn't I do this? So I walked in there and just, they're like, here you go. It's like gonna be on your bill every month. And I said, what happens when Aero, uh, when you guys get the Aero Wi-Fi 7 units? They said, just bring it back in and just swap it out. And like, that's just it. And so realistically, I have 36 months before, I think it's maybe even longer than that, before I would break even, because if I bought these things with like at Best Buy, they're 430 bucks. And that's a lot of dollar dues, my friends. Anyways, this is way off track <laughs> to how I got to Aero 6Es or Pro 6Es. Really happy with them. And uh, oh, the subscription thing, which is what I kind of landed on, it's included. My ISP gives it to me for free. So I don't have to pay that additional $100 a year for those extra blocking and parental features. It's just included. And so it's weird to say I really like my ISP, but I do. Like, they've been good to me. They, they're, I get really fast internet for like $60 a month now. Um, it used to be in the 50s, but then I added the routers on there. So like, yeah, anyways, uh, things you don't hear often. So... There you go. On to the gaming news, my friends. Uh, Samsung Gaming Hub TVs will will get a officially licensed Xbox gaming uh, cloud gaming controller. So the reason I point this out is that cloud gaming controller, I need to get more details and hopefully get my hands on one to see how does this impact the latency. But things are coming. This might be that Siebel kind of lineup stuff technology that we've been hearing about. Uh, CES is also right around the corner and this thing leaked out, which is the MSI Claw Gaming Handheld. And this, again, I think really reiterates the point why Microsoft is not going to build an Xbox handheld. Because this is what, in my opinion, all right, you can look at like things like this or the, the one for the ROG Ally. Or, uh, there's a couple others that are floating around there too. Why would Microsoft build an Xbox handheld? This is it. Somebody's going to say, well, they could have tighter software integration. But guys, I've been around the Xbox world and more importantly, the Microsoft world long enough to know that doesn't really ever materialize in a meaningful way. And so I think these things will continue to be the best Xbox mobile handheld gaming experience on the market. And uh, yeah, and these things aren't vaporware. Like this thing is coming. You can already buy the ROG Ally. So these things already exist. And uh, I think that's where Microsoft should go. And speaking of Xbox friends, strap yourselves in. We are going to get a developer direct here, I think pretty soon and look for that announcement to come even sooner. I don't know anything about the shadow drops. And uh, I think at this point, we just kind of sit and wait this one out. The real key here, and what I hope we understand from Microsoft, obviously the developer, Xbox developer direct, gonna be cool, gonna be games, all that kind of stuff. What I think a lot of us are hoping to see from Microsoft in 2024, and if they start out this way, they're, they're starting out on some good notes, are like more consistent developer direct events, right? It's one thing to have one in January, but if we don't get another one until August or September, then it kind of feels like, ah, these are things are ad hoc. Like Microsoft, the most important Microsoft thing could do in the Xbox side, and I mean this genuinely, the most important thing Xbox could do would be consistent in the announcements and the experience. Meaning, we get a developer direct, one per quarter. It's always the first month of each quarter, we're getting a developer direct, and then we always know we're gonna get certain a number of game drops per year. Establishing that sort of cadence, yes, it reduces the unpredictability. Microsoft could still throw some fun things in there, like a Hi-Fi Rush, Shadow Drop, or things like that. 
However, when you are trying to establish a service such as Xbox Game Pass, and establish is probably the wrong word. It's pretty mature. It's on its, you know, it's the flywheel is spinning, if you're familiar with that analogy. But making sure that me as a consumer paying monthly for this service know that, hey, we're, every year we're going to get four developer directs. We're going to get this kind of a cadence. I can expect these sort of things for my money. That is the best thing that Microsoft can do in 2024 for Xbox for just maintaining that core group of dedicated fans on the platform. So there you go. On to the questions of the week, my friends. Also, uh, one little thing I'll share here at the end, but uh, we'll do it here about the show. Uh, let's dive into the questions. Rafik145 says, Hi Brad, we know that the extreme majority of the people that have the habit of going to the Google Play Store or App Store on mobile devices. So what's the thing that Microsoft is going to have to add to their next mobile store so that they can change this bit and to get some market share? Is it AI or major exclusives? Or do you think we'll end up in the same situation as the browser market where Google controls over 90% of the market share? So what he's talking about here is we firmly believe that in 2024, Xbox, Team Xbox is going to launch a mobile store, a mobile experience, right? You can click on it, get your Game Pass stuff, download all your games and try to become, for lack of better terms, the Steam, using in quotations here, on iOS and Android. That is Microsoft's goal. That's the sort of analogy they are chasing. The question becomes, what's going to get people into that store? It's going to be content. It's always content. Content is king no matter where you are in the world and or life. Content is king and Microsoft just spent a whole bunch of money to get that content, right? They literally have king. And when I say content is king, I'm not referring to king the company. I'm referring to just uh, evaluation status or, you know, pecking order. So you got to have a lot of content. Microsoft now has the content catalog. And I think that is going to be the thing. Now, there is some precedence here to say that doesn't really work out. Like you can look at the Epic Game Store. Uh, on PC, and it's a shadow of what Steam is. Like, it, it's there, they try to use Fortnite, a singular title, to really, really ramp that store up, and I think you can make some argue that it's not really a huge success for Epic. So Microsoft has to avoid the pitfalls, and hopefully they can learn something from Epic so that they can understand this market better and have a better chance. But you get things like Call of Duty Mobile, you can get those big titles in there. I think that'll be enough to get people to download the app. The question becomes is, is it sustainable for Microsoft? Because if you pull things like the question that we don't have an answer to right now is let's just use Call of Duty Mobile as a mythical example. I'm going to gloss over some important details. So they launch Microsoft launches an Xbox Game Store. Do they pull that title from the App Store? They might. They could. Uh, it would be. They might. They could. It, the thing that Microsoft has to balance here: if we pull it from the App Store, we're going to lose revenue. But is that revenue loss at a justified valuation gain on the independent in the independent store? Because remember, Microsoft loses thirty percent when they sell things through that store. So yes, they lose a a dollar sale, but they're really only losing seventy cents. But if they can gain a valuation of eighty cents. Ooh, that makes, you know, makes a lot of sense. Actually, they'd be very happy with that sort of a weighted scenario. So, Sidechoker says, uh, Hi, Brad. Happy New Year, and I hope you pass Christmas and New Year with joy and has the new energy for the New Year. I hope the same for you, my friend. I have two questions. Uh, with the focus on AI for Microsoft, what about the oh, what about the MS Launcher for Android? The 6.0 up update is a while back, so could we see a 7.0 update with AI Copilot? I think you were absolutely spot on the money. If Microsoft is going to invest time to update things, it better align to that core mission that Satya has laid out and, and the leadership team that AI, AI, AI. So I think that's where you'll see that update uh, come down the pike. And so I think right now it's probably one of two things. I don't have any inside information about like a 7.0 update, right? It 
really is going to come down to prioritization, right? They just shipped the i the co the Copilot app for iOS and Android. I would or I, iPad and iOS, I should say. Correct myself. It's probably somewhere in that pecking order of where does it make sense? Where does we find value? How do we become the whole AI company? I would fully expect that your intuition there of a seven version of with Copilot in some capacity or AI is absolutely happening. His next question, I'm going to sum it up here into a little bit of a nutshell, is the current, uh, he says, with the current state of loop, especially the integration with all this MSS services, I expected that I would be able to edit everything within the loop experience. Although I got to tell you guys, um, loop obviously took a long time to come to market and the loop components did as well. I, I wonder and worry about the future of loop components. And I'm saying this out loud because I kind of wonder where this is headed. Microsoft invested a ton of time. This took, this was like a multi-year project. I think you can trace this all the way back to like 2018 or 2019, something like that. Multi-year journey to get to this point. And since then, a lot of things have changed, namely like Microsoft invested in a company called OpenAI around the same time they started doing these this loop stuff. And now AI is all in. Microsoft's all in on AI and they're not necessarily all in on loops and loop and loop components. If you notice, that has really been demoted through the stack of Microsoft marketing. Granted, somebody will say, Brad, it's because it's old news. It's not new stuff. Yeah, I don't think they're going to abandon Loop, at least not yet. I think that's way too early to make to the, jump to that conclusion. I think that, is, that that would not be wise. But when it comes to, it's like, hey, boss, what am I working on today? Am I working on AI for Excel, AI for OneNote, AI for Teams? Or am I going to, do you want me to go back to working on that Loop stuff? We already know the answer to that. So it feels like Loop has been deprioritized and things are, are much slower these days on that front. It might continue to be that way. And Mr. PKI dropping two questions. He says, do you think a Google Android Play Store would increase Windows usage, adoption, and store engagement if it really was possible and available? That's a good question. I, I, I think it would be fair to say that it would increase the adoption of potential Android apps on Windows. I think that might be a sufficient statement. However, I don't think it's going to increase adoption to a material level at the end of the day because... I mean, I would love for people who are listening to this to name like five apps that only exist on Android that they can't use in a Windows experience. My my gut here would tell me that there's a podcast app. Like that seems to be the the uh, the, the tone or the theme that always comes. It's like, well, there's no great podcast app on Windows. So I run on Android. Very fair and valid. I totally accept that. Maybe there's some photo editing or a messaging app experience, but there's not a, it's not so widespread that Windows is lacking. Um, this whole, I think... Some of this Android apps on Windows stuff, I also partially think got demoted too because of the AI. Microsoft is like, hey, yeah, it's it's there and available. Go do it if you want. Uh, but we're putting the energy into AI. We will see what happens with the new leadership, right? There's a bunch of new leaders running things at Windows. We've seen various things come across. And so we'll find out. We will find out. And Mr. PK, with the last question of the week of the first podcast of 2024 for the new year, we are wondering what is going on with the Windows 11 taskbar. There has been some noise on X, or X, formerly known as Twitter. Do you think we're going to major start button changes again? So, interesting question. We don't, we don't really know, and the lead time on this stuff is pretty far out. So. Let's put things into play, into context here. So I can't remember the individuals. It's like, it's like Mikela, 
uh, is now the leading sort of dev experience individual and clearly leading some of the UI uh, development experiences on Windows and made a comment about the start menu and how he didn't like something about the all apps and the scrolling functionality. He said, I'll get the team to fix this. And then the headlines kind of blew up. It's like, new Windows developer doesn't like start menu. We're getting a new start menu experience. We'll find out. We will find out how far they're willing to take this. However, with Microsoft likely expected to announce some sort of Windows 12 or 11.5 update in June. We don't know what Microsoft's going to call it yet. They will call it something. If that stuff isn't already in play, then it's likely not shipping or showing up then. Like that would be a pretty quick turnaround. Why did the screen behind me just turn off? There we go. It's been doing that a lot lately, by the way. Uh, it's like, it seems to be a common occurrence that the signal just gets lost, despite the fact that it's hardwired in. Anyways, to get back on to the, the actual topic du jour, we don't really know. Uh, Microsoft has been pretty not resistive to changes to the start experience. And so that's why my company makes a product called Start 11, right? It's a way more customizable version. I'm not going to go down the sales bent, but there'll be a link in the description. Uh, we will see... But knowing Microsoft's cadence of change is like, okay, if they're going to make a change, it's not going to be immediate. And it takes a lot of research because, again, one of the challenges, in, and I fully respect Microsoft for this, they build a start menu that has to work for over a billion people. That is not easy. That is not easy. It has to be, unfortunately, that really just kind of means it has to be generic and it has to be safe and it has to be simple to use. That is sort of the ethos when you have that broad of a scale. It's also the exact same reason why we haven't seen any major major UI shifts on iOS, right? Like iOS today looks relatively pretty much the same as iOS 1. Yes, I know there's a lot of new stuff and I don't, I'm not trying to gloss over that, but the core experience can't change when you have such a massive install base that you you cannot move the cheese if you need an example of that windows 8 so just keep that in mind and uh we'll see we'll see right it's an it's a new era of windows something that's that should be exciting it should be exciting we'll see what's coming down here we've got arm we've got ai we've got some xbox stuff um it's exciting and i hope 2024 i hope the ai experiences that microsoft delivers in 2024 add meaningful value and it's not spaghetti at the wall uh, we've seen that kind of in the past, the spaghetti at the wall scenario, and that's not unusual, right? You take a market, you take a focus, you try to figure out what works, you take, you figure out what works by just throwing things out there. Hopefully something sticks, you accept that, you adopt it, and you improve it, and you move on. Uh, we'll see what Microsoft's going to throw at the wall this year, and we'll see if it's enough to really kind of like add some juice back into the Windows world, or if it's just going to be kind of like another like, okay, Microsoft did a thing, um, I just want to be able to use Excel. So we'll see. We'll see, friends. Uh, show notes. This is this is kind of important. This is a very big deal. Very big deal. Uh, hugest deal. Uh, made a tough decision regarding this podcast on Fridays. Very tough decision. Super difficult. Uh, so the big change on this podcast that happens every Friday is I'm going to switch over to OBS. No, I'm, I, somebody, I, I'm not giving this thing up. I, somebody might interpret it that way. It's kind of intended. But anyways, uh, this is I'm, I'm swapping out the PC that this this podcast is being recorded on uh, after I do this. So later today, and I'm going to switch over to OBS. I've been wanting to switch over to OBS for a while. Uh, I got some new hardware because I've noted multiple times that the box this thing is running on was an, is an old Windows 10 box. doesn't even support Windows 11. So I've got a new Windows, newer Windows 11 box um, that will support everything. And I'm going to try to move over to OBS and see if I can make it stick. If not, I'll fall back to, uh, to XSplit. But I, I've been wanting to go to OBS for a while because... One of the primary reasons is they have a much better um, audio experience, uh, visual experience. Like I can see my mic monitoring from here. 
over on my PC that I'm looking at, but it's very tiny. And, and it's as dumb as it sounds, OBS can be made much bigger and much easier to see from this distance away. I've just never bitten off the whatever, snapped the whatever. I don't even know the analogy I'm looking for. The brain is mush. The podcast is over. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'll catch all of you right back here next time.